Is that good? No. That is. Is that all right? Okay, good. Um, I'm just going to make a brief uh, statement. Some of you will have noticed that a few things happened at General Synod this week, uh, which we need to be uh, alert to. Uh, so I'm going to say a brief thing about that, uh, and then we'll turn to this morning's sermon. But don't worry. I have a stopwatch. Um, if you've not been uh, aware of anything that happened at General Synod this morning, then what I'm about to say may just pass you over. Um, if, you've been, uh, if you're not even sure what General Synod is, don't worry. Uh, you can ask questions after the service about anything that you feel is left open-ended. Um, in some ways, Carol's opening prayer for church leaders and for James and Mark and colleagues uh, was right on the money. Um, You'll have heard me speak on the 6th of November, so you can go back to the websites and you can listen to the first part of that sermon um, about what we will always seek to teach and what we will work as hard as possible to teach. Um, Seeking correction and not thinking that we know all the answers, but working as hard as we can to faithfully present to you uh, the word of Christ as he gave it. Um, And there are some matters within the Christian church uh, on which we can agree to disagree. There'll be plenty of views about plenty of things uh, in the congregation. There are some matters uh, on which we cannot agree to disagree. So I want to make it clear that what we're talking about in these debates about marriage, sex and sexuality uh, from the General Synod, it's it's not a discussion between conservative, traditionalist, old-fashioned, prejudiced, and phobic, and on the other hand, revisionists, modernizers, up-to-date, indiscriminate welcoming. It's, it's not a discussion between those two sides, although it often sounds like that. Um, the invitation, welcome, and message that we will seek to give is the same as that which Jesus himself gave. That's the plan. The invitation, welcome, and message which he gave. Well, what was that? Well, here it is. Uh, Jesus first turned up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the Christian gospel is unique. Because in the face of everything that the world offers, whether it's this side or this side or in between, all its traditions, social mores, innovations, movements, empires, cultures, philosophies, religions and pursuits, in the face of all of those, every expression of a kingdom on earth, you might say, uh, Jesus offers a completely new invitation to the kingdom of heaven. And his invitation to enter that kingdom is to repent. To turn from all the, the confusion and the thinking and the, uh, whatever it is, to turn from all the kingdoms of the earth and find a new understanding of life and a new way of living with him as king. And therefore, the key thing is what Jesus means by repent. Repent. 
Not what we might think, but what Jesus means by repentance. Uh, There might be any number of views down, down here about how to understand life and what's the right way to live. But as a Christian church, it's what Jesus thinks that is of utmost importance because he's the one who issues the invitation to the kingdom of heaven. And so what he determines requires repentance of is our invitation and welcome. It's crucial because entry into the kingdom of heaven, belonging to the kingdom of heaven or not, depends on that. So there is an invitation, a welcome to absolutely everybody. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. Um, Whatever you've done, whoever you are, however you think of yourself, whatever you think about life in the world, Jesus steps into this world and says, repent, turn from that, and follow me. To turn to Jesus on his terms. And we mustn't fear this. Uh, Whatever we might discover turning to this Jesus means for us, uh, however he challenges us, even at the deepest level of ourselves, there is nothing to fear because he is the king of the kingdom of heaven. So there are some matters on which we cannot agree to disagree Because this Jesus is not confused about anything. And in this particular case, a general synod, he's not confused at all about marriage, sex, and sexuality. So we're going to seek not to be deflected or distracted from persistently offering the same invitation that Jesus offers to everybody Um, continuously. So, uh, what's next uh, for us? Well, um, the first thing is we need to work out, given what's been said and written, where we need to work out if the bishops of this diocese are still seeking to give the same invitation that Jesus gave. That's what we need to work out. So, um, there are clearly some in bishops in the Church of England who are not doing that anymore. So our intention is to ask the bishops uh, where they stand. Uh, one of the problems with the decision that General Synod made is it leaves the decisions about these things with local incumbents like me. So it would be different in different parishes. And so we need to ask Uh, all our local colleagues, um, are you still giving the same invitation that Jesus gave? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And how how, how those folk respond to these uh, inquiries, that will inevitably affect how we can relate to them. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like, Uh, And we're avoiding knee-jerk reactions. But we don't want to be deflected 
from sticking with Christ and making every effort to preach him and his good news in the way he sees it. But we do need to find work out, we need to wait until the situation is clearer and try and trace a path through that for us. So most of the time, I could have said something about this every week for the last two months, but this is only the second time. Most of the time, you won't notice in our life together. Uh, We'll still fellowship with Christ around the scriptures and sing his praises and rejoice together. Uh, We'll still do that, but do pray. Um, Pray particularly for Steve at Gabon. Early days of ministry there uh, for him. Anyway, that's where we are uh, at the moment. Just for your uh, information, I will send out, I'll ask Jenny to send out an email tomorrow with loads of links and stuff you can read if you haven't already. Um, There are three letters from bishops that I've printed. For those of you who don't have email, I've stuck them at the back. There's the one from our diocesan bishops. Um, There's one from uh, the Archbishop of Uganda, which you might uh, enjoy. And there is also one from the Bishop of Ebbsfleet, who we have a, a particular connection with um, here um, because of the way we view ministry. So they've all responded there at the back if you don't have email, but I'll send you the links uh, in the uh, email. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we are humble people. We know that we are lost without the Lord Jesus and his word to us. Your words are not just idle words to us. They are our life. They are your invitation to the kingdom of heaven. They're the way to forgiveness of sins, to knowing ourselves as your children and knowing that our inheritance is is guaranteed. And so, Father, we come to you humbly and we pray that we would not drift, that you would keep hold of us, that we would um, hold fast to the gospel, that you would help us to be those who fix our eyes on the Lord Jesus and listen to him. Thank you for all his perfections that we have nothing to fear by following his teaching. So, Father, we pray that you'd strengthen our trust in him in these particular days, that you'd build us up as as his brothers and sisters together, your children, and that we might find joy, righteousness and peace in following him. So speak to us, Father, still further this morning as we consider your word to us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Okay. Um, That's fine. Um, do pray for us. Um, we will. Um, uh, what was some oh, in one of the letters that'll be in the email tomorrow? Um, uh, it just said uh, Jesus is still on his throne and he will build his church.
So, you know, there's no need to worry too much about all this. Honestly, we'll just crack on and do what we do and follow him. Um, anyway, uh, so that's one of the reasons that we, each Sunday, uh, we come away to a gathering like this and we spend family time together. That's what we're doing when we come to church on a Sunday morning. Um, and then for, the, for most of our life and the rest of our life, we live out there. Uh, not all together as a family in the same way. We go into life outside these walls. And that means people are watching us. People are uh, are seeing uh, how we live. I mean, we watch other people, they watch us. And I wonder if if we tried this exercise. All the people that you're, maybe, maybe you're in a school class with... Um, people that you're with every day at school or uh, at work or the folk who live on your road um, or a club that you go to. It might be a sports club or some arts club or whatever it is or or just that supermarket checkout lady that you always go to because, well, I don't know why you would do that, but some people do. Um, And all the people who see you, if, if if they had to sum you up in one word, what do you think it'd be? <laughs> that, so, so, oh, there are a couple of times, there's, sometimes I write my notes and I deliberately try and provoke Sue to shout something out. <laughs> and she's beaten me to it because I had it coming. But anyway, there we go. Um, it's so easy. Uh, anyway, um, what are the words that might, what are the words that might be used? Um, or, or that you might like. I mean, successful, clever, fit, funny, well-off, good-looking. This is just me at the moment. Um, <laughs> mischievous, then I'd loud, and capable. But maybe some people might have things like, you know, annoying Irresponsible, lazy, unreliable, selfish, flippant, careless. What, what are the words that people might... What is the word? The people you work with or at school with, what's the word they might use? Um, we've been thinking about our morning service and these, all these C's uh, about the, what, what makes up our morning service. Uh, and this morning we've come to commission. James is going to help us with uh, the last one next week. And I want to say, but as we've worked through these elements in our service, they've all been there this morning, uh, so far, or will be, um, they are all by the Spirit. The Spirit carries God's words to us, to draw us to worship Him. It's the Spirit who reveals our sin to us and who recreates us as the Father's children as we confess our sins and he forgives us and declares us his own. It's the Spirit who gives us understanding of God's Word, spiritual things spiritually discerned by the Spirit so that we can be committed to God's agenda. And it's it's the Spirit that turns our hearts to be inclined to do what God wants. 
And it's by the Spirit that we're able to feast together as one at Christ's table. Everything is the work of the Spirit. It's always, always about Christ as well, isn't it? The call to worship him, forgiveness by his death, being his brothers and sisters, the Bible being the very words of Christ, Christ speaking to us, and his meal at his invitation. But it's always also about the Father, worshipping him. He forgives us and justifies us. He declares us his children. He's the one who sent forth his word. And as we eat and drink, we look forward to the feast in heaven with him. See, every blessing of God is found in Christ, and the Spirit unites us to Christ. And so everything that we're doing is fully Trinitarian, to use the long word, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All by the Spirit. And uh, here's a prayer. We're going to say this after the sermon. It's usually right at the end of the service, but just because we're dealing with that bit, we'll do it at the end. See that last bit? Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. So even when we're considering the commission, our sending out from here, out there, it's still all by Spirit. All the nourishment that we receive here. We thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. That's not just the bread and wine that he's talking about, as we nourish on God by faith. But that's about the whole of our gathering together as we feed on Christ in our hearts by faith. We hear his word, we pray to him, we commit ourselves to him. So we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to go and live for him in the power of the Spirit. That's the commission that we gather here for family time now for the purpose of going and being commissioned. So it's all by the Spirit, and all of these are all with one another, aren't they? We're called as one body of people. We, can, we have what used to be called the general confession, and we say that together. We sit under the same word of God together. We hear the same message from him. We pray the same prayers. We declare the same truths. We sing the same songs. We eat the same meal. We're all together. We're identifiable as one particular household or family, as the language the Bible uses. But commissioning feels a bit different then, doesn't it? Because then we all disperse and we all go separately from this building. But we'll have a little think about that as we go. How are we to understand this commissioning Well, let's start with uh, Matthew 28. And the first thing they do in Matthew 28 is they worship. Um, Yeah, you could turn to it if you want. It's page uh, 1,000. This is just after the resurrection. Jesus has um, gone to Galilee. 
And the 11 disciples go to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. Interesting. Uh, Worshipping on a mountain. Do you remember Hebrews 12? We have come to Mount Zion. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. That's a very normal gathering of God's people. They worshipped him, but some doubted. That's a very normal kind of church congregation um, that we come differently. But here they are, worshipping on the mountain. And then what does Jesus do? Well, he then, as they're gathered to worship, he prepares them and he corrects them. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How does that prepare? Because it tells us that when we leave this place, Christ is in all authority, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever we're with. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. It prepares it. It also corrects. Perhaps it gives confidence to those who doubt. Jesus is ministering to those doubters by saying, don't doubt. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So they gather for worship. They're prepared and corrected by God for the life that they want to, that they will live. And so then they are told to go. Go and make disciples. Out from the place of worship to do something for those who have not yet come to the mountain, who've not yet found it, who've not yet come to worship Christ. That's who they are to go to, to all the nations to make disciples. It's exactly the same. Uh, We come together to worship God. We're prepared and corrected by him. We're shaped as we meet together and hear his word and commit to his way. And so we go to our family, our school friends. There'll be conversations that we have this week. There'll be invitations that we might be able to give, holiday club or other things. We might be introducing others so that uh, to other people, other Christians that we know, so they can have better conversations than we can manage. Um, just normal people uh, out there having been prepared for out there by being here. Any way that we can think of doing that. What's the strap line for evangelism, James? Every day, what is it? We, he can't remember his own strap line, and I can't remember. We need to work on this. Everyday believers sharing Jesus in the everyday. So everyday believers, you know, we come and worship, some doubt. The Lord teaches us that little bit more. Everyday believers sharing Christ in everyday life. It's not a program or a plan or a schedule, but it's just who we are, having been shaped by God here, ready to live there. So you go. And you're not alone. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So even though we disperse, we're never alone. Never alone. So, why'd you come to church? 
But you might give me all kinds of answers for that. But one of the answers is to be prepared and corrected so that we can go. That's what we're commissioned for. To wherever we'll end up this week, send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit. So we do disperse and we're not alone. Right. Um, That's my best effort at the church family. That's to cover all ages, genders, kinds of people, all sorts. That's that's us. Okay? That's the church family. Um, And if you will, flick over to 1 Peter um, for the last five minutes. <coughs> uh, here is the church family. Um, here's the rest of the world. Or it might just be some corner of Oswald Street. Um, look at verses 11 and 12 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, writing to to Christian believers like us, gathered as Christian believers, dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, so people who aren't uh, at home here, because we know that our home is with Christ, fundamentally kingdom of heaven people, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there we are on a Sunday morning at the top. And then we disperse during the week. To do what? To abstain from the sinful desires. We might meet all sorts of temptations this week, but we've been trained how to live. We might meet all sorts of temptations. We resist those and live such good lives amongst the people that we're around that they may see that and be drawn towards God. They will... Uh, glorify God on the day he visits us. What will they see? Doing all sorts of good things because we follow Christ in the world after we leave this place. But there's more to it than that. Because um, that's next Sunday. We come back. And then That'll be the week after. Um, I I seem to have an extra slide in there somewhere. Um, But as we go there, we're still that special people of God. Look back at the two verses before what Peter said in verses 9 and 10. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So there's more to it. 
than that. Because as we disperse and go, we are still the united people of God, united by his spirit, his special possession. So it's more like this. That there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real connection between us as we seek to resist temptation and do good in the world. There is still a sense that we're doing this with each other. I don't know if you get this experience, but when, I, uh, when I'm in town and I bump into people from the congregation, my heart lifts because there's something there which is um, categorically different from some of the other relationships that I have because we are God's special possession as this local family of his people. And that's something of the expression of knowing that we're not alone. God is with us by his spirit, as Jesus said in Matthew 28. But we also live this life in the world with one another. And so others get caught up in our life together. As they see us relating with one another through the week, they will see relationships, they'll bump into them, they'll be caught up in the life that we share as we, yes, are are face-to-face with them, resisting temptation and doing good things for them to see, but also as we do that together, as we share our lives during the week. We shouldn't be one of those, we shouldn't be one of the people at the top who just kind of isn't connected to the other people in the church family during the week. Part of our witness to the world, when they will say, uh, where, Paul, where Peter says, see, live such good lives amongst the pagans, the unbelievers, part of that witness, part of that such good life is how we live with each other in the community. Jesus put it this way. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, how are they going to see that if this is everything that it means to be a Christian? How will they see our love for one another? They'll see it by us being mixed in amongst them, loving one another and doing good at every opportunity. Everyday believers sharing Jesus through everyday living, everyday life. So why did you come to church? Well, yeah, to be prepared and corrected so that we can go. But also to build those relationships with one another so that through the week... We can live such good lives with one another so that they will see our lives um, and glorify God. To live with each other in the world 
so people know that we're Jesus' disciples. And then we come back together on the next Sunday. And we get a little bit more preparation and then we're corrected a little bit more. And we're encouraged by one another so that we can go and do it. And so that's what commissioning, the commissioning part of our service is about. Send us out in the power of the Spirit to live to your praise and glory. So in that sense, commissioning as well, even though we disperse, is something that we're all in together and do together. So, what's the one word that people uh, might say of us as we live amongst them? It's what we're sent out to do. As they look at us, what one word might... Well, I, I, I think, I, I don't know, it's about 14. Um, nine of them are the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul lists them. That's not an exhaustive list. Christians are hopeful as well, but that doesn't figure in the fruit of the Spirit, in the list that Paul gives. It is fruit of the Spirit. Wise, servant-hearted. I was really struck at a group I was in uh, the other day. We were going around for prayer requests. And you know how prayer requests go in those sorts of, sorts of groups, in particular events or circumstances or whatever. Two of the requests in that group, one was to be kind and one was to be discerning. That's great, isn't it? If this is what the world saw us, how the world saw us, then maybe they might ask, what is the hope that you have? Why are you like that? Why are you so different from what the world normally is? Well, that's why we come. That's why we come together, that we can be trained in this by our Heavenly Father as his family, so that we can be this as we live in the world. That's what commissioning um, is about in our service, that sending out at the end. I'm going to leave those words on the screen and pray a prayer, the prayer I put up before. Um, There's still some part of the service to go, but you'll understand. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Let's just take a moment of quiet just to reflect on what we've just heard.